Hey, Rudy, thank you for joining. Uh, uh, let's give uh, other people like two more minutes. Thank you, Rudy. Okay, I'm going to get started. So good evening, Rudy, and uh, good evening for, to anyone who joined uh, later. So uh, today is the January the 3rd, 2023, uh, second episode for the new year. And uh, uh, as you have, as I have mentioned, since uh, Christmas Eve, I started this uh, uh, living in a van uh, trip. Uh, down in Florida because the dollar was just getting too cold. So uh, I have been trying to do this for two years. Uh, finally, after a year and a half, a friend of mine helped me to convert a high roof top van uh, to be a, a livable camper type of uh, arrangement. So uh, it's been great. Uh, as you know, that the living in a van is a kind of living in a small space. Uh, who else lives in a small space? the uh, astronauts and uh, because they have to deal with a uh, lot of uh, living necessities uh, in a very limited space. And I, I watched some of the YouTube videos about the, the Chinese astronauts. I think in China, it's called the Taikonauts. And also I watched the American, uh, uh, I mean, uh, the, uh, the American astronauts, how they live in the space. So it's kind of fun. And uh, I want to experiment it. So far, so good. I have survived, uh, well, about nine days now. And uh, so today's episode is a little bit special because as I call it the Kennedy Space Center episode. I headed towards uh, Key West uh, to, uh, to start with. And uh, 
And then it gets a little bit too hot in Miami, and so I went north, and then I end up in uh, uh, the Kennedy Space Center, somewhere in the middle of Florida. The uh, the good thing about the Kennedy Space Center is that they have a rocket launch uh, scheduled today for January the third. That's done by uh, that rocket belongs to SpaceX. That's Elon Musk's. Uh, rocket so i like elon musk i know he has just like every everybody else he has flaws right and uh but for the fact that he spent 40 some billion dollars and purchased uh, uh twitter and afterwards dumped the uh twitter's files on the fbi that's a major action that's a major you know major point as far as i'm concerned uh for you and me for our first amendment rights i think uh elon musk used his own money and uh and, and put his put the money where his mouth is basically and uh, he just exposed uh, that the deep state truly had a hand in the uh, public sentiment prior to the election and uh, which to me, it's a major, major subversive action against the Constitution of the United States. So, so anyway, long story short, so he has a rocket scheduled to launch today at the Kennedy Space Center. So I went there, I had a great time, and uh, and uh, it's truly phenomenal uh, to watch a rocket to be launched uh, live. There's another reason why I always wanted to go to the Kennedy Space Center. Uh, back when I was in college in Shanghai, China, uh, that's back in 1984, 1985, uh, the US and China just, you know, established the uh, diplomatic relationship. And there's a lot of uh, economic and uh, academic exchanges between the two countries. One of them is that this gentleman by the name of Leroy E. Day, Leroy E. Day, uh, who is a NASA person, who uh, this guy visited my university and uh, in Shanghai. And again, his name is Leroy E. Day, last name spells D-A-Y. So Leroy, he, I believe he's the director, he, uh, based on the NASA website, Leroy began his NASA career as the acting deputy director of the Genini program in 1962. In 1966, he became the director of Apollo testing. He was named to head the Space Shuttle Task Group in April 1969. In December 1970, he became the deputy director of the shuttle program. In 1980, he became the director for space transportation system engineering and integration. So that's way back, back in 1984, which is about uh, boy, almost 40 years ago. Uh, I have been the interpreter for Mr. Leroy E. Day when he and the uh, consular general of the United States in Shanghai visited my university. So, uh, Mr. Day's presentation at my university is all about a topic called the system engineering. 
because putting together a space shuttle is a major engineering effort. Uh, system engineering involving putting a lot of technical technology pieces, components together uh, as one working system. In this case, it will be a space shuttle. So I was uh, actually uh, considered pretty good with the uh, English language, even though, you know, I don't think I proved much since then. Uh, so my boss asked me to be the interpreter for Mr. Lira E. Day. And uh, when he gave out this uh, 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 lecture at my university. So I did that. And he is responsible of the first launch of the, you know, he's part of the team that launched the first space shuttle called the Atlantis. And the, as you may or may not know, Atlantis uh, has its a final resting place, uh, 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 place in uh, Kennedy Space Center in Florida. And uh, that's the second reason I need to visit that. And the third reason is that two years after I worked, uh, you know, I interpreted Mr. Uh, Leroy Day's uh, lecture, I listened to the Voice of America for a live launch, uh, a shuttle, space shuttle launch in Kennedy Space Center. That's 1986. That's the space shuttle Challenger. Uh, the Space Shuttle Challenger launch is uh, quite special because uh, we all know that that uh, for the first time, NASA uh, did a, a competing project, a project of a co competition among all school teachers in the United States. To uh, they select a teacher to become the astronauts and be sent to the space, but. The, uh, so you know, I you know, you know, being at school and all that, I certainly is interested in learning how a teacher can become astronauts. So long story short, uh, she was selected. Uh, we all know aware of that, but uh, it, uh, very unfortunately, uh, the space shuttle Challenger exploded uh, mid-flight, and uh, I vividly remember uh, the uh, the silence after the lunch. And soon afterwards, uh, the president, Ronald Reagan, made a speech. And uh, although my English is not that good at that time, but I do understand what the president said at that time, which, you know, just give me another reason uh, why I admire the, the, the space program in the United States. So finally, I got a chance to take a trip to the Kennedy uh, Space Center and uh, visit the uh, the space shuttle Atlantis, and uh, which, uh, you know, which uh, for which Mr. Leroy Day is a part of the uh, the team. So, so that in a nutshell is the background, why I headed to the space, uh, Kennedy Space Center. So now back to the uh, topic for, for today's episode. I want to talk about the white privilege in space. I have always thought about it, but uh, today after visiting the Kennedy Space Center, I finally firm up the uh, talking points of uh, this uh, topic, the white privilege in space. As you, uh, if you follow my past episode, you'll probably heard about this uh, Chinese rocket scientist, 
who became the victim of the Red Scare and the FBI's J. Edgar Hoover. Uh, his last name is Tian, uh, T-S-I-E-N. That's the American spelling. And uh, he was forced back to China. And he became the founding, one of the major founders of the China's space program. He laid the foundation for the, for, for the Chinese space program. And, uh, and I, I think I also recently have learned the uh, first chief engineer of the Boeing company, the airplane company, the Boeing company, uh, by the way, Boeing Company is also a space company, and uh, they also build rockets and they build other space equipment. Uh, the first chief engineer of the Boeing Company is was also a Chinese, but this Chinese guy is was not even allowed to be on the airfield when the Boeing airplanes took flights. So generally speaking, that fits to what I want to say today, the white privilege in the space. In the, in, in space. So I know many people will ask me, okay, Peter, why you always want to talk about race? And I can explain to you one more time, and which I hope, you know, and I will, I will continue to do so. The bottom line is this. First of all, the whites inspired non-whites. I am an observer, just like this uh, uh, pretty famous uh, French uh, traveler by the name of uh, Alexis de Tocqueville. So Alexis de Tocqueville. This guy is a French guy traveling to uh, who came to the United States of America uh, in the eight, uh, 1900s, probably, and he wrote a book called uh, called uh, American Democracy. He is a big fan of the American democracy, uh, although he has a serious doubt about the slavery. And, uh, you know, like Alexis de Tocqueville, I myself is also an observer. I've been in the United States for over 30 years. I observe things. I have the rights to see what's going on and have the rights to express my opinions. So that's one thing. So just show you the white, the, what the white people did, especially their achievements, do inspire non-whites like myself. Another example will be Muhammad Ali. Muhammad, Muhammad Ali once said on a TV show that he likes white people too because he wants the black people to achieve what the white people have achieved. One of them is traveling to the space. So the question is, is a space a white only endeavor? And uh, it seems to me, you know, it seems to be that is the case. Example is this. Is, uh, as we probably know, first of all, as I've just talked about these two Chinese person, one is uh, one was the chief engineer, first chief engineer of the Boeing company, who was not even allowed to be on the airfield 
when the Boeing airplanes took flights. And the second person will be this uh, uh, Dr. Qian, who is forced back to China by the FBI, who became the fund, one of the primary funding fathers of the Chinese space program. So it seems to me there is always a Chinese exclusion act in space, okay? And uh, so that is one thing, why I want to talk about race. It's not because I want to talk about race all the time. It's because my observation, my observation always led to a pattern of exclusionary act by the US government against the racial minorities. So, 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 so that's one thing. And the second thing about that is that, as we know, the world is getting hotter. By hotter, I do not mean climate-wise. Climate-wise, I don't know for a fact. I do not have all the scientific evidence. At least I did not read enough about it. But I do know the world is getting hotter enough, meaning that we are already at a international war. Wars between nations, that is Russia versus the West, including Ukraine. So the question, so there will be a natural question. Is the, is American space program becoming an endeavor for world peace or for world wars? Remember, under Donald J. Trump, the, uh, the space program formally become the space force. So the space program formally became a military, a military uh, is a fully militarized. Basically, America's space program seems to be fully militarized. When that happened, you know, is the U.S. is the Kennedy Space Center will, will, will that become a military base? Because that's the you know that's the question I kind of want to know. So, so now I want to share, you know, three observations I had with the uh, with the uh, Kennedy Space Center, and then I'm going to conclude after this uh, sharing with you these uh, three observations. First is the racial divide in the STEM area. STEM is a science, technology. Uh, I'm sorry, I forgot what the EM stands for. Let me Google that. Okay, STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and the math. So the first observation of the three I had while visiting Kennedy Space Center is the tremendous racial divide in the STEM area. So we, I arrived very early in order to watch the rocket launch. So Beverly, an African-American woman was the bus driver. She's fantastic, okay? But what happens is this. After we arrived, as you can imagine, there's a bus loads of people uh, who wants to watch the live launch of a rocket. What is interesting is this. 
I have not found a single black person in the bleachers uh, at the viewing site. I also, uh, you know, it. We arrived probably at eight fifteen ish. The lunch starts at ten o'clock. So for an hour and a half, I checked up and down, left and right, in the bleachers area of the view. You know where we view the rocket launch. I also watched the the, the bathroom traffic because you know as you no know, people go to the bathrooms while waiting for the for the rocket uh, rocket run uh, lunch. There's just absolutely no not a single black person in sight. Okay? So in other words, you know, I mean of course there's a other racial minorities. There's uh, people traveling from other countries and uh, there were people who uh you know who, who you know who who are South Eastern Asians. There are Chinese. Uh, there's uh, Latinos. But interesting enough, there's not a single black person in this crowd. Okay, so so that shows the failure of our educational system on black children. Or the success and the effectiveness, effectiveness of the separate but equal government policies, generations after generation, that have caused this almost irreparable divide in the educational achievement of the African American children. Okay, so it is only after the rocket lunch was over. And when we returned to the, to the, to this spot, I think this spot is, uh, I'm trying to remember, uh, it's not Atlantis. It's the, uh, basically that is where the, uh, the, uh, viewers, uh, the viewing area. When we came back for, to board the bus again, in this uh, big structure, I finally saw one black man, but I did not take a photo of it. I took a photo in the viewing stands, and again, I can find no black person there. And uh, on the way back, I did see one black person, but it's very possible though that he probably is uh, from, he probably arrived later. He is not with us. Uh, our groups who are actually came in very early to uh, to stand in line to watch the uh, the live lunch of the uh, of the rocket. So that's the first observation. The, the, a still a tremendous racial divide in the STEM area: science, technology, engineering, and math. Okay. So the second observation is this. Despite the fact that many people, especially the white white people, say, "Oh, Peter, you're just talking about race all the time," it's not me talking about the race all the time. Race is always implied in any human pursuits in America. Okay, this pursuit you can call it race too. So I will give you one example. Let's go to Gold Rush. 
in all the days in America, there is a gold rush. And this Chinese participated in the gold rush. And uh, I, if I understand it correctly, uh, when Chinese became successful by finding gold in some art areas, they their success generated tremendous jealousy among white gold miners. And as, as a matter of fact, there are more than, there's a several massacres of Chinese gold miners simply because they have become too successful. Okay? And that's, you know, so like I said, when you pursue anything, there will be competition. There will be competition among different racial and ethnic groups. And it's not me always want to talk about race. Historically, it is a fact that when everybody is into gold rush, when everybody is going to do the land grab, race always played an important part. Okay, I actually remember in the in this Homestead Act in the I think against 1900, where the federal government allow anyone to encourage and allow anyone to go to the west part of the country, and they can just take ownership of land over there. And many black folks went there, and turns out they are not allowed to put the stakes on, you know, to get their own lot because they're black. Okay, so 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 going back to the second observation is that there's always a racial component when there is a human pursuit over something that involving that different racial and ethnic groups at the same time. So this is one thing, and the second thing is that. As you, you might know, that uh, now China has finished, completed, building its own space station. And uh, there is, this again, this is a space race, right? And uh, there is a clearly two different opinions in America about the space race. And... Uh, And there's two opinion out. There's two examples I want to share with you, which is pretty, pretty indicative of why race is always implied in this kind of a pursuit. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, he is a very famous African American uh, astrologist, uh, uh, astrology physicist, I think, and uh, he's he's quite famous, you know. Neil deGrasse Tyson. When it comes to the success of the Chinese space program, by the way, let me remind you again, the Chinese space program get to develop into today's success due to, in part, the Chinese Exclusion Act by the U.S. government. Right. 
So in regard to the recent success in the in China space program, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Dr. Tyson, he has said China should be the friend frenemy, not enemy, frenemy in the space race. He considered the 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 the, 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 the space pursuit by the Chinese government is a of a great importance to America's space program. He believed it's good to have a competition. And that's why he said China should be the frenemy in the space race, not an enemy. So Neil deGrasse Tyson, again, like I said, it's, he's an African-American, and he's not necessarily a friend of China or ally of China, but he's saying, you know, space race should be fair, equal, and uh, done in good spirit. At the same time, there's a white astronaut, a politician by the name of Bill Nelson, Bill Nelson, who used to be a senator from Florida. He has recently come out saying, China is going to colonize the moon. <laughs> so let me repeat, this white astronaut and also a politician by the name of Bill Nelson has recently warned America that China is about to colonize the moon. I don't even know what is he talking about. Colonize meaning that you have the people, native people living in a piece of land. Colonizing that land meaning you go there, you round up those native people, you put them on the reservation, you took their lands, they, you took their gold, and maybe you even used them as a slave. That's called colonizing. There's no moonies. There's no no life on the moon. There's no person, no inhabitants on the moon. So even with that, even knowing that, Bill Nelson, again, he is a NASA astronaut, also a politician, will have the this white supremacy superiority kind of a uh, you know, uh, what, what I say, incentives to say shit like that. Okay? So, again, it's not me who want to bring race into space. It's, it's the race is already in the space program. So, in going back again, in the Kennedy Space Center, during all the time, that the U.S. is developing, uh, NASA is doing this Apollo project, Apollo project, uh, Apollo program. Uh, Dr. Chen, who was sent back to China by J. Ed Hoover of the FBI, he is doing the same, and he has he have, he did so because the United States excluded him to participate in NASA's program. NASA did that, you know, the U.S. government did this intentionally, okay? And the U.S. government have never apologized, okay? So as far as the Chinese in America is concerned, I'm going to say the U.S. government is going to do its uh, exclusion policy 
in the past and now and forever. That's why race is going to be always going to be implied in any human pursuit. That's how the U.S. government rolls. In fact, to add more is this. There's a Russian exclusion too. Okay, this is what I copied from a one of the exhibits inside the uh, Kennedy Space Center. When ISS, the International Space Station, uh, is what was built, most of the ISS was uh, uh, was hoisted into orbit by the space shuttle one piece at a time. So in other words, once upon a time, NASA worked with either the Soviet Union or Russia to build the, 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 the International Space Station together. When the International Space Station and the U.S. shadow connect, tons of supplies, you know, got, got loaded up, right? And the most important thing is this. It generated a lot of goodwills towards each other among the Russians and the Americans, right? So nowadays, as we are at war, uh, as the West is at war with Russia, the ISS, the International Space Station, which NASA is a very important part of, is completely ignored in the Kennedy Space Center. So that, so this is just another proof that when it comes to the space programs, race is always implied. So now let's come to the third observation I had. The third observation I had is that there is a clear lack of purpose or mission of NASA's space program. In other words, which is the ultimate goal of space science? Now, as we know, if you ask a nuclear scientist back in the 1950s, 19, late 1940s, you know, after the U.S. dropped two nuclear bombs in Japan, if you ask nuclear scientists back then, you at least have a, some of uh, one kind of opinion is that they believe nuclear science should not be used to, to massively kill people, especially killing hundreds of thousands of uh, civilians, right? Same question can be asked. Exactly what is, what is the ultimate goal of space science, right? Astronauts, they are scientists. Not only they are soldiers. I know most of the astronauts, they, they have to be like Air Force pilots and all that, or Marine pilots and all that, except that teacher. I mean, I know there's other uh, astronauts. They are pure scientists. But but I, I consider all of them scientists because they have to go through very, you know, strict STEM trainings to be eligible to be astronauts. So, so the third thing I, I observed in this uh, 
Kennedy Space Center is this. Is exactly what is our ultimate goal of a developed space science. Is it to help us to kill each other better? Or is it to promote world peace? I'll tell you this. Back in the 1980s, when I was listening to Ronald Reagan's speech, right after the Space Shuttle Challenger exploded mid-air off Florida coast, where I was today, I was deeply moved by Ronald Reagan's speech. I truly felt that the United States is a country, it's a superpower that are for just uh, for for peace, for world peace. Okay, I truly felt that the space program is a human collaboration, regardless of what country you're from, regardless what your race or ethnicity or cultural background. So I always thought space program is for world peace. Can we say the same thing today? I'm not sure. I felt that the space technology will be the weapon for the next world war. The space technology will be the weapon for the Ukrainian war. So I will give you some examples, okay? I'll talk about two exhibits at the Kennedy Space Center. One is this Atlantis exhibit. Again, this Atlantis, the space shuttle is, uh, uh, you know, Kennedy Space Center is the final resting place for uh, space shuttle Atlantis. In this uh, Atlantis exhibit, you, you will be shown a short film. This short film is really makes me, you know, not angry, but just, you know, it's like uh, getting a aha, aha moment. The short film pretended a white person, a black person, and an Asian per person is involved in the design of the space shuttle. That is simply not true. Think about it. The space shuttle program started in the 1961. I'm going to go through those uh, timelines later. And it lasted until 1972. I will tell you, I don't think there's any racial minorities among those engineers in NASA who are involved in the designing those, uh, you know, lunar modules, the rockets, and all that. So, in other words, the U.S. space program is clearly a white achievement back then. There's no need to pretend it's not. Okay? If you now make a little film to teach these kids who are visiting the Kennedy Space Center saying, oh, look, back then we have a white person, a black person, and an Asian person who are involved in designing the space shuttle, the, the rockets, all that. That's a lie. That's a fucking lie. There's no need to lie because we all know it. Like I said earlier, Muhammad Ali, he always said he has no problem with the Christians in the U.S. He has a problem. The problem he had with the Christian in the U.S. is that the Christians in the U.S. does not practice Christianity. 
Muhammad Ali also said it. I think it's on the same pro, uh, same TV show. This is, I think, taped in uh, uh, Newcastle, New England, uh, England in, in Britain. That he said he likes white people. He admires white people. He wants black people to achieve the same thing that white people achieve, including traveling to the space, to the moon. So there's literally no need to pretend there is a diverse design team during the 1960s. 1960s, it's like a hot period in the United States when it, when it comes to racial tensions. So this is the first exhibit that really made me, you know, I can say a little bit sick, okay? Another exhibit is called the Hall of Fame. You know, like NFL, you know, you have a Hall of Fame. Baseball, you have a Hall of Fame. In this Kennedy Space Center, there's a Hall of Fame. There's a lot of pictures of astronauts hanging on the uh, on the wall, right? And uh, and uh, and and uh, and I I look each faces on the wall. I have not seen. A black face, but I can be wrong. Okay, I, I think there's one person by the name of a Charles Bolden, B-O-L-D-E-N, Charles Bolden. He could be an African American astronaut. I don't know for sure. I have to find out later. Okay. There again, this is go back to what I said earlier uh, in this Atlantis exhibit. The Apollo program, the space shuttle program in those days. It's pretty much an old white design team, and there's nothing wrong about it. It's a white achievement. I admire that. Muhammad Ali admired that. Okay? There's no point to make a lie about it. Make a lie about it, make it worse. It's almost like a cover-up of a crime. It's worse than the crime itself. Right? So going back to this uh, second exhibit, Hall of Fame exhibit, okay? It started with the a lecturing by a bunch of uh, unrelated people, including this guy by the name of a George Takei, T-A-K-E-I. I guess George Takei is a Japanese-American. I think he played in a movie in a space program. He's not an astronaut. And in this film, they bring up all these uh, unrelated people like lecturing kids, what heroes are. But guess what? George Takei is an actor, a Hollywood actor. He's not a real hero. I do not know what George Takei did. I know, I mean, being an actor in a movie is not a hero. I know he's a gay also. But then again, being a gay is not a hero. Being a black person or being a Chinese person is not a hero. Okay, you have to achieve something. Okay, develop a rocket to take a man to the moon. It's an achievement. You know, it is probably made by a whole, whole white team, and that's okay. It's a white achievement. Everybody can admire and adore and try to learn from. Making it up, making a lie, and do this kind of a lecturing is just completely fits into the exact same thing that I have recently talked about. 
Okay, like a Santa Claus, a made-up story, make you feel good. White baby Jesus, Lady Justice. These are all lies made of some kind of white character. So, 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 so that's the second exhibit that makes me really more confused. You know, because going back to this. When John F. Kennedy lay out his vision for the America's space program, he, he has famously said that. He said, we choose to do this. By do this, I mean, he, he means that he's sending a man to the moon, on the moon. He said, we choose to do this, not because it is easy, but because it is hard. Guess what is hard? STEM is hard. Science, technology, engineering, and math is hard. I don't see a single black person in that in the bleachers watching the rocket launch. STEM is a very hard. You want to make heroes out of those who, under very very difficult circumstances achieved in STEM area, regardless of their race, ethnicity, country. Okay? If a Russian is doing well in the space program, they deserve our praises. If the Chinese in China is doing well with their space programs, they deserve our praises. If any kids in this country is doing well in STEM area and became an astronaut or became the chief engineer to design rockets, he or she deserve our praises. That's what the whole of frame should be talking about. It's very sad that the Hall of Fame, again, I don't have a problem. These are all mostly white faces. Again, I do not know whether that guy Charles Bolden the astronauts, whether he is a black person or not. I can't tell. But this Hall of Famers, think about this, okay? In the NFL, National Football League Hall of Famers, when they elect a past player to be a Hall of Famers, they not only will, sh will show what this football player did on the field, they also will show what these football players did off the field. In other words, what did they do to the society? So in this situation, I have the same question. I kind of want to know, on the wall of a Hall of Fame, exactly what other things these astronauts did in pr promoting societal well-beings? And for example, in promoting world peace. I know for a fact, a lot of scientists, including Albert Einstein, knowing the danger of a certain science, including nuclear science, can be used to massively destroy humanity. They are the strongest advocates for peace, for world peace. They did that. That's off their field. 
in these Hall of Famers, we, I don't see a single thing what these Hall of Famers did outside their field, besides being the astronauts. To me, I thought the very first thing they could have done is to make the space science a global endeavor, regardless of the border of countries. That's what it should be. Space should not be a battlefield. Space should not be a venue to drop nuclear bombs. Space should not be a venue to shoot hypersonic missiles to a major city, being London, being New York, being Beijing, being Paris. For that matter, the Kennedy Space Center is completely silent, which is a shame. So, having said that, I'm just going to, uh, you know, conclude by, 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 by just, you know, what's good and what's bad about, about the Kennedy Space Center. Because I'm first, of all, I'm very glad I got a chance to visit it. Like I said, I translated for, I did, I was the interpreter for Mr. Leroy E. Day, a NASA director, when I was a college student back in Shanghai almost 40 years ago. So I always want to go there. And so I, 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 I did what I wanted to do. So here's the good about the Kennedy Space Center. Space Center. It, it did show space achievements by the white people, which I long admire and I still admire. It's not easy to go to the moon. Okay, it takes a lot of guts, efforts, smarts, intelligence, engineering. The second good point about the Kennedy Space Center is it actually did show just by watching how many, almost just complete absence of African-American kids or families on the bleachers watching the rocket launch this morning. It shows, like I said before, a great racial divide in the educational achievement, especially the STEM educational achievement between the blacks and the whites. Okay? I don't want to uh, bring the Chinese in the picture here. It's just a fact. And the third good about this place is that it actually allows me to experience some space travel. I hate flying airplanes. I I'm, I'm a very land-based animal, basically. I, I don't want to fly. I fear flying. I know Muhammad Ali is a, another person who is afraid of flying. I know uh, this famous uh, football legend, uh, John Madden, he is afraid of flying also. I fear flying tremendously. So this time, it allows me, this, uh, this one ride I took, it allowed me to experience space travel, you know, because especially especially when I was, when I was watching the Chinese space program, launching different, uh, you know, vehicles into space, you know, with human back and forth and all that, I kind of want to catch up, you know, just get a feel like how, how it feels to travel in space. So that's the third good things about this, uh, 
about uh, uh, you know about this uh, uh, this Kennedy uh, Space Center. Now let's talk about the bad things. First bad thing, it's a oxymoronic wokeism and white virtual propaganda. Like I said before, it is intentional placement of a, a white a, a white a Asian and a black engineer in the short film at the Kennedy Space Center to incorrectly, intentionally incorrectly describe what actually happened back in the 60s. Whitewashing the history of space science where there is a tremendous racial divide is not going to help anyone. Okay, we all know the Chinese are excluded in those programs back then. Okay, we know the blacks are excluded not by the NASA directly, but it is excluded by the long practice of a, the separate but equal educational system in the U.S. Okay, as we know, Apollo program, which is, I'm going to quickly go over the timeline, is a happened during the height of the civil rights protests. That's in the 60s, early 60s to early 1970s. And the second bad, bad thing about the Kennedy Space Center, it simply does not encourage kids, especially those historically disadvantaged kids, to pursue STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. It does not teach kids any of the fact that pursuing STEM field is extremely hard. It did not use JFK's word saying, you want to pursue STEM not, not because STEM is easy, because STEM is hard. It failed to educate the kids to take the harder path in their education. And it is a great disservice for NASA, for Kennedy Space Center, to miss this point, to miss this opportunity, to encourage young Americans to pursue STEM. Failing to do so is just to allow China to surpass us in the future. And the third bad thing about this uh, exhibit is this. Almost all of the exhibits are sponsored by the military industrial complex. Okay, you name it. Those uh, military industrial complex companies, their name is all over the place. Okay? And, uh, you know, and... Uh, now you know it is it is almost you know it's just like I said it's, it has I have this oxymoronic feel about this uh, this exhibit. Think about it: the Apollo program, uh, according to Wikipedia, Apollo program, also known as the Project Apollo, was the third United States human spaceflight program carried out by the National Aeronautics and Space. Uh, uh, administration. The first crewed freight, the first uh, human uh, crewed 
flight is uh, 1968. The first flight without a clue, a crew, without human on it, because it's a long program, is in 1961, seven years before. Okay, the last flight with a human to land on the moon is 1972. So from 1961 to 1972, that's the exact period where the Viet when the Vietnam War is going on. So literally, the military industrial complex supplied both the napalm bombs and all the bombers, all the war equipment. At the same time, also provided the space program. Think about it. Then let's think about these almost all white astronauts. Do you really believe they do not watch the news? Do they? Do you really believe that they never knew that the blacks are not even allowed to vote? Do you really believe these astronauts highly educated scientists, military personnel, do you really believe they do not know there's a tremendous racial divide back then during this period, a 10-year period, 11-year period from 1961 to 1972? I bet they do. But guess what? I don't recall seeing any U.S. astronauts standing up for social justice. I have not seen any one of them standing up to promote world peace, like what Albert Einstein and many, many other top-notch scientists did. So for that, you know, I just think it's it it it, it, it it's, it's a downer, it's a downer. So, but you know, I want to be you know level-headed, even-handed. Okay, like I said, it does. You know, in my opinion, the Kennedy Space Center does a good job of laying out the achievement. But I want to stress, it's by the whites back in the sixties. And, uh, you know, it did demonstrate a great racial divide, even today. And third, it allows me to experience the space travel. So for that, I greatly appreciate it. Uh, oh, thank you, William, to be here. And I'm going to invite you to speak. Hey, Peter. Hey, William, how, how's it going? Good to see that photo from your camper van. That was cool. Oh, thank nice you. Spot you were parked. Yeah, good, good viewing. Huh? So you saw, was that a satellite a rocket that went off to the liberate a satellite in space? Is that what that was? Yeah, the uh, uh, it's a Elon Max. I think it's called a Falcon Nine. Uh, uh, the beauty of it is that it deploys multiple satellites, uh, uh, and then the beauty of this is that the booster rockets. Uh, will return to Earth, back to the, uh, the, 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 launch, the launch site. 
In other words, so it's a reusable. So I, I know about this. I watched again, like in the past, I have watched on the YouTube. Like I said, I, I fear flying. So, so for those things that I fear to do, I enjoy like a watching, you know, these high achievers doing, you know, what they are good at. So yes, it's a pretty neat. Yes. Okay. Well, I wanted to add in the live chat, I put a, also a link, but a, I copied the text. Do you know, the idea we defeated the Nazis, uh, Werner von Braun was head of NASA. Remember Operation Paperclip where they brought in a lot of scientists? Yes, yes. That, that, sci- uh, that Chinese uh, rocket scientist is the student of this guy you just oh, mentioned. Oh, really? Yes. And, uh, and uh, it's, it itself is a fascinating story. Again, these are the things that mainstream media will never report. You know, the stuff I do, as you know, you know, it, yeah. mainstream media will never report. They want to, I call it whitewash things, you know. Yeah. They just say, oh, it never happened. I was like, no, no, no. You admit this is the history. You have to be honest, right? If you're being dishonest about your own history, then you're getting, you, you, I think you're worse, you know. Right. You know, so, you know. So I missed, did you mention a Chinese scientist that I missed in the beginning of the show? Because I caught the... Yeah, the no, no problem. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. Yeah, uh, there's a, there's a, a Chinese woman who wrote an entire book about it. It's called the Silk Worm. Uh, basically, Silk Worm is the name of the Chinese missile who shoot down some American missiles, whatever, in the Iraq war or whatever. But anyway, so this guy... So I mean, let me give you a quick rundown. Uh, you have already talked about it. During the Second World War, the Nazi Germanys already have some space technology, right? So this Chinese guy, together with this uh, uh, Hungarian, uh, he, he, he immigrated from Hungary. So he, he's the teacher of this Chinese guy, all right? They both went to Germany to collect all this uh, space technology material. And uh, so, so actually, this Chinese guy who is not a U.S. citizen, remember the Chinese Exclusion Act, this allowed Chinese to become the citizen of the United States, okay? He actually was there as a colonel of the U.S. Army. So let me repeat, the U.S. Army actually gave him the colonel rank to go there, to do the work. You follow me so far, right? I so wow. as soon as he came back, I think he went back to China to get married. He married a woman who is related to the, like a chief advisor to Chiang Kai-shek, who is the enemy of the Communist Party of China. Okay. Now, with that said, he came back to the U.S. and the U.S. government believe he is a Chinese spy. So his wife is the daughter of the top of advisor of the anti-Chinese communist government. Even with that said, being Chinese is enough to be considered a suspect of a communist. Crazy. And the, uh, at that time, the assistant secretary of the Navy uh, by the name of Kimball, K-I-M-B-A-L-L, I believe, he told his boss, he said, this Chinese guy cannot be allowed to go back to China. He said, we rather kill him than letting him back to China. It's a long story about this guy. It's fascinating. I'll tell you, this is why in one episode, I already said, 
the Steve State is the number one criminal who endangered the security of America because they literally handed over strategic assets to the Chinese Communist Party. Okay, that's what they do. And uh, what's even worse is you would think, then how come this guy got uh, get back to China? So first of all, the U.S. government say you lied on your immigration paper. You say you are not a communist on the immigration paper, uh, but we believe you are. But like I said, he's not. I know for a fact he's not. Okay. So, 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 so he said we're about to deport you, and then this uh, secretary, uh, assistant secretary of the navy said, no, no, we cannot send him back. He actually was in jail for for, for three months and whatever. He lost weight and yada yada yada. And lost for sure. Oh, by the way, his two children was a born in the were born in the United States, natural born citizen. Okay, he applied to be the U.S. citizen. Okay, when all this happened. Okay, no, he has he already worked in the U.S. for twelve years, like among everything I just said. Okay, so here because because there's a Korean War, and there's a bunch of U.S. pilots. Uh, who are prisoner of war in China, captured in Korea. You follow me so far, William? Yeah, so this becomes a political trading card for them. In other words... Yes, Eisenhower secretly ordered a swap. Yeah. So it's it's actually, because uh, uh, otherwise he will not be able to... Long story short, I said in the episode, in this is 1949, 1950s, okay? They're going to 1968 when China blow up the first nuclear bomb. Uh, Irish American, you know, American with an Irish name, I'm pretty sure he's a white guy. He published a book called the China Clouds. He is telling the public how the U.S. government handed back 80 scientists to Red China that helped to build it's first nuclear bomb. Is that right? He said, yes, he, no, no, but this is 1968, okay? Now, here comes the funny part. Fast forward to 19, uh, sorry, 2014. 2014 will be, say what? Uh, 50 years later, is that right? 1968, 48 years later, the nephew of this author, because this guy's book is still on sale on Amazon.com, right? So the nephew of this uh, author posted comments saying, it's a shame, even after 48 years after my uncle published this book, the U.S. government continued to treat Chinese scientists as an automatic spy for China and drive them back to China. He said, we never learn. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like, this is, a, this is beyond stupidity. You know, no, I don't consider that stupidity. I uh, consider deliberate racism, okay? And, you know, it's deliberate. It's, I call it Chinese Exclusion Act of the U.S. government's policy. Can I ask you a question, Peter? Consider this. Well, first, let me just finish... There's a list of people 
that are in, not only do we have Werner von Braun, head of NASA, right, at that time, we had Walter Helstein, who became head of the EU Commission, Adolf Hessinger, NATO's chief of staff, Kurt Weldheim, Secretary General of the United Nations. These are all Nazis. In other words, with that in mind, my question is, is it possible that all this is happening and we're being misled and then it becomes, like you said, pawns to trade people back and forth? But consider... They're working together on many levels, right? Our governments, Nixon went to China in the early 1960s. And then we can even look at more recently the North American Free Trade Agreement, which led to the Beijing Free Trade Agreement, the Asian Free Trade Agreement, the Trans-Pacific Pact. Our our transnational corporations want this to happen and to set up manufacturing and the Belt Road Initiative, all that in China. But they need to portray this sort of um, adversarial uh, 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 narrative. Uh, is it possible? Just consider, and I'm not saying people don't suffer, don't get me wrong, but it, I question sometimes, like you hear the saying, all the world's a stage. Do you see what I'm saying? How much of yes. this is political? Just yes. so that, go ahead. I know what you're oh, thinking. Actually, I, yeah, oh, I was reading your, uh, your, your text. Actually, this guy, uh, Werner Von Braun, is one of the people uh, they brought in, but the the, the actual person, uh, the this Chinese uh, person, and his T-shirt is someone else. Basically, uh, the, that person. Let, I'm trying to. Uh, I'm trying. Let me Google so so sure. so I can I, I can give you the right information. Hold on. Yeah. Well, while you're doing that, let me say yeah. Operation Paperclip. I think was up over a th- thousand, maybe fourteen hundred scientists. Yes. From, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, you're right, because he, like I said, this Chinese guy who is not even a U.S. citizen, he was in Nazi Germany just to go through oh. all this material, interviewing the the Nazi scientists and brought them over. So his oh. teacher is uh, Theodore von Karman. You know, wow. again, there's a V-O-N in front of, in the, in the von just, I think it's like a noble middle name for the, for German, right? Or, or, or Hungarian, because, you know, they're kind of a German Hungary is like it used to be one country or whatever. So mm-hmm. he, his, his teacher's name is Theodore von Karman, K-A-R-M-A-N. So uh, th- these two guys went to Nazi Germany together, going through the, their aerospace materials and uh, their talent and brought them over yeah. okay it, it, so so going back what you said going back uh, does that mean that the, the these are all staged and all that what i want to say is this i'm going back it's not me always want to bring up this word race in everything it's mm-hmm. like it is what happened in other words you have this Chinese guy went all the way to Nazi Germany, get through the material, blah, blah, blah. And when he came back, he said, you know, you are not welcomed anymore. You this did that. Right, right. And well, he, he worked here for 12 years. He has two children born here, U.S. citizens, two both U.S. Okay. citizens. He applied for U.S. citizenship. What the hell? You would need to harass him when you say, oh, you lied on your immigration paper. What the fuck right. is that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I get it. 
I get it. Yeah. I was trying to follow the story and I got a little confused, but I see what you're saying now. I, this is all very bizarre. They we used him as an agent to assess and recruit the Nazi scientists. And then they, this is very strange. I mean, of course, uh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, you know, I, I'm just trying to unlearn all the garbage I learned through the U S propaganda and learn more about the truth. So in, in hindsight and reflection, of course, I'm just looking in on it. Um, obviously, I wasn't born yet and trying to understand. It's so bizarre. The whole thing is, I don't even know what to say anymore. You know what I mean? It's yeah, oh, yeah. Like I said, uh, it is what's written on uh, on the exhibit saying the International Space Station is right. literally piece by piece built by the uh, space shuttles also. Not all of them, but like like since the beginning of the collaboration between Soviet Union and United States. Back then, right. the Cold War is not over yet, right? We're doing this to, to do what? To what? To reduce tension, right? To be friends, okay. to show goodwill to each other, right? That's right. my impression. Now you, you know, the whole U.S. government say, no, 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 Russia is our enemy. We don't want to... You freaking build the whole damn thing for, for the whole thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What's the yeah. point? You know, because... By the way, I'm not just, you know... That, like I always said, America democracy is a white majoritarian democracy. Oh, By that, it means that even the Congress passed a law called the Gulf of Tonkin uh, Revolution to finance the uh, Vietnam War. It doesn't mean it's the people's will. It's just right. a white majoritarian democracy, right? Exactly. You know, right? It, you know, the, the 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 Congress can literally pass another reenact the law called the Chinese Exclusion Act to mm. take all the Chinese out. Why not? It's, it's called democracy. No, I call it it's not democracy. It's called the white majoritarian democracy. Okay, I hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, not to make light of it, but George Carlin says you have no rights. You have no rights. You have privileges because they could take away your rights anytime. They're giving you privileges temporarily, and they're going to choose when to take them away. And, and uh, you know, go ahead. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. To me, it's this. It's so F obvious that, yeah. you know, that, that, like, 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 you know, because we are all humans, right? Basically, we, whatever we do, like, like, I, I forgot, uh, William, what, what is your trade before you uh, got disability? Oh, I was a heavy equipment operator on federal Superfund sites, operating big heavy equipment, you know, excavators, loaders, dozers, things like that. Okay. You know, let's say you have a day job. And after day job, you have something as a human being, say, this is what I care for. This is my mission in life, right? You know, mm -hmm. that could be protecting the children or whatever. You you have something of that nature, right? Yes. I mean, all those Hall of Famers, I don't see they do anything. Oh, oh, here's a picture of him. He's an astronaut. Oh, here is the book he wrote. He he write he reads in the high school. I don't give a fuck what the book he reads or she reads in the high school. Right. You know, I care about what else he does off the field. Right. Uh -huh. That shows. Uh -huh. That tells me what kind of a human being he is. Uh -huh. Right. There's nothing like that. Do, Eddie, a, uh -huh. mm -hmm. yeah. Go ahead. Well, I'm I'm just curious. Obviously, these men had lives once they retired, and I don't know what they are. I haven't researched it at all. Is it possible 
for privacy reasons, they just want to say what they did with NASA and then I'm not playing devil's advocate or anything or advocating. I'm just oh, you saying, can, you know, you can play. No, I, 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 you know, I can be wrong. There's one guy, I think Neil Armstrong, I admire mm-hmm. a lot is this. Neil Armstrong is one of those who said, I'm done. I, uh, what I need to do, I don't want to get involved with the public. He, okay. he actually just, he literally just retired and then back to Ohio somewhere, like a mm-hmm. very like a Middle Western guy. I mean, this guy, Neil Nelson, of course, he became the uh, uh, senator, right? A politician. Like I said mm-hmm. earlier, he's the one who recently came out and say, China is about to colonize the moon. I said, what do you mean by colonizing the moon? There's no mm-hmm. fucking people there. You know, you have to be, right? I mean, you, you colonize, uh, you know, you say, look at what they did to South China Sea. Well, in South China Sea, I understand China is building some artificial islands. Uh, by yeah. the way, I know that Vietnam is to start building artificial islands in South oh. China Sea. But it's, oh. it's not colonizing that place. There's oh. no land. So China built a artificial island, uh, island, you know, good or bad or ugly. Colonizing is not a word you can easily use, you know. Florida yeah. is a colonized land because there used to be people here called, you know, there's tribes. Right, right, right. right? right you right. colonize so, that yeah. land, you meaning you have to do something with those people first and right. then their land, right? And, and mm-hmm. you know, something else. So, you know, this, you know, this is, you know, this is why I said Bill Nelson is a piece of shit as far as I'm concerned. Doesn't matter whether he's an astronaut or not. Surely he does not. Sounds like he's trying to stoke up some foment for some reason. And I still, this, this, uh, uh, making, you have to first, like with the Japanese, you have to demonize, you have to create, uh, a, a, a archetype that people can, unfortunately, that's how propaganda works. Do you follow me? And yeah, so, of course, of course, this, this mm-hmm. is what happens. And, and then they, we can justify dropping, Atomic bombs, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, you know, on, on, on civilians, you know, and uh, it's just heinous, uh, human behavior. And, uh, I, I don't know what to say other than I, of course, I grew up in Connecticut. I have fond memories of growing up here, but I look at my government and the more I learn about what it's been about and, and I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. Uh, and I think any American who who studies the Constitution should be fighting this type of imperialism and colonialism around the world. I mean, the the the. I mean, we talked about the doctrine of discovery. Well, of course, the Roman Catholic Church predominates in in the British Empire, right? And um, uh, predominantly. Uh, the Western European bankers and the NATO forces and America. And so we have this triad of Washington, D.C., the military might of the world now that Jeffrey Sachs cites as the most violent empire since 1950. Yeah, right? yeah exactly. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I do listen. You and I have a similar like uh, intake of this uh, uh, alternative uh, uh, media materials. Yeah. Seriously, right? You know, again, we're not trying to make these things up, right? I actually, oh. you know, went there to see, I said, look, you know, you know, to, to show me a freaking uh, old adult that uh, somehow the space program, Apollo program is uh, involving an Asian person, a black person. No right. way. You know, give me a fucking break. Yeah. You know, you, give me yeah. a fucking break. 
you know, I know it's not true. You know, you, right. you know, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, just don't do this virtual signaling like, oh, we recognize our past wrong. No, you recognize the past wrong by, uh, by describing it truthfully, right. you know, not making things up, you know. Well, look at American symbolism. You know, you had the Albert Pike statue that was pulled down during the Black Lives Matter uh, protests um, and, the you know, certain Confederate statues. He was a Confederate general, Albert Pike, who known to be a 33-degree Grand Freemason. And uh, they, you know, pro- out of protest, people pulled that statue down. Those statues, Trump was adamant it had to be resurrected. My, my case would be this. Take all those statues of Confederate generals, put them in a museum, put them in context. What does this represent? White supremacy. Do you follow me? What yes, happened? I do. Mm-hmm. What are these? Mm-hmm. Destroying them wouldn't help because then we lose history. But put the true context of what they were and what they were, and how were they idolized and why? And what does that say about the culture and that we even had an acting president who's like, there's good people on both sides. You know what I mean? No, it's, there's right and wrong. Do you follow me? Yes, I do. Yeah. I, uh, I I actually, uh, I'll just share with you the, the, my, uh, involving, uh, uh, feels about the, the statue thing. Right. I initially truly felt it's a very cultural thing. It's a very heritage thing. Right. I, I felt because I think I mentioned I actually in conversation with a, you know, uh, some people can consider him as a white supremacist. I do not consider him a white supremacist. He is a member of uh, this organization called the Sons of Confederate Soldiers. Okay, these are the, you know, diehard, you know, Southern folks who have their own. I guess alternative interpretation of the Civil War, right? He, you know, he's very bitter about these uh, Confederate statues being removed and all that, right? Really? I, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no, I talked to him. So, so you know, because I run into him all the time when I do my regular exercise when I was back in Delaware. So, okay. so anyway, so so I actually, you know, you know, but I have evolved, you know, uh, since then because after I start doing this uh, judicial white privilege show, is this. It's not because, like, Robert E. Lee, okay, you know, he is the blah, 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 whatever. It's not because these statues are somehow whatever. It's really because of what happened after the Civil War is over, the blacks was were wronged one more time. Yeah, yeah. That really, if I were black, yes, I would not going to be allowing these kind of federal uh, confederate statues. In other words, after the South lost the war, they agreed to the 14th and 13th Amendments, right? Mm-hmm. Because at that time, the Union Army is still stationed in the South. Mm-hmm. If they don't sign these, they don't. Uh, if they don't uh, ratify the 14th and the 13th Amendment, I think there's a 15th Amendment too, then the federal troops is going to be there forever. So they agreed oh. to do that, right? But the, almost immediately afterwards, the Supreme Court in, invalidated the 14th Amendment. The 14th? Or you mean the 13th? The 14th, the, 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 the 14th correct. And, and, and as you know, about the voting rights for the blacks, 
that should be firmly established after the Civil War. But remember, in the 60s, again, back when the NASA's Apollo program is uh, well underway, the blacks cannot vote, right? Uh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah, how yeah. many years after the Civil War? It's already like in some, what, 90 years after the yeah. Civil War? Yeah. So the blast got screwed again and again and again. Now you're going to still stick those uh, Confederate statues there. Uh, then, okay, well, you know, again, you know, I, like I said, I talk to this guy all the time. And then I was like, I, I, my, my, I, it, this changed my mind, you know, because I'm fully aware of the fact that George Floyd, his death did a lot of uh, awakening for all of us. It does not mean that George Floyd did commit a, a minor crime of using a fake $20 bill. Right? right, you know, you know. I'm pretty sure Michael Brown in St. Louis probably did charge to that white police officer, and he got killed. I'm not disagreeing with that. I actually, but I know behind all this shit is because this is a white majoritarian democracy. Oh, okay, yeah. if you're non-white, you are actually the considered to be a colonized person, oh. not a full citizen under this uh, white majoritarian democracy, period. You know, I'm not making it up. I'm, I'm look, looking at the records. Sure. I'm looking at Chinese records. I'm looking at black records. I look at the past records and today's records. Like I did the show about Puerto Ricans, right? You have a Puerto Rican, you have a disability, like you, you know, I know you have a disability, but if you are Puerto Rican, you live in Puerto Rico, you don't get that SSI. You don't. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. There's a, it's a one of episode. It's a, it's a 9, 2022 case, April 2022. Supreme Court said, if you live in Puerto Rican and you're receiving 28,000 SSI benefit, you must return that to the federal government. No. Oh, Serious. Seriously. Oh my God. That's, this is what is, you know, <laughs> so, so by the way, uh, you know, the uh, I will do an episode based on this uh, uh, 911 Lawyers Commission on 911 Justice thing. That the link I sent you, this guy who showed up on the YouTube, because that is the exact same thing. Because that he filed a Supreme uh, petition for the U.S. Supreme Court to decide. Uh, this is a Example, another good example, of what I talk about in the past is that in the past, a regular citizen like William, a regular citizen is allowed to file with a lawyer's help to file a criminal case, a criminal complaint against any person, including a police, including a judge including a bishop, including a priest, in case the government decide not to pursue. You follow me? I do. Okay. The Constitution allowed us, the citizen, the people, we the people, to do that. Okay? I, I'm going to find out. I'm pretty sure it's the court who took that rights away, who took the people's rights away. That allowed the federal, uh, the government, the only, you know, 
the only one in town to prosecute any crime. If the government say we are not going to prosecute Hunter Biden, go fuck yourself. Wow. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that also. There's the the whole grand jury investigation, the grand jurors, and that's separate. Yeah. Yeah. That's the- exactly no. That that's the exact same thing. No. No. That's yeah. basically you can file a file this criminal complaint to have uh-huh. a grand jury to consider whether a file to file charge. Uh, ch- uh, 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 indictment should, uh, can be filed or not. Right. This process is a, a due process right that was taken away. Yeah. And, and, and that allowed the government to be the criminal because you will never be able to chase after the government when the government is a criminal. When you don't, you no longer have that. It's called the private prosecution. Yeah. So, so bring me up to speed just real quick. So, when when were those rights taken away? Uh, I'm, I I I'm I I have a download of those material back in nineteen uh, back in twenty sixteen ish. Okay, because okay. okay. uh, you know I, I talked to I said, back then I was talking to lawyers about this stuff. So okay. so I'm going to have to dig them out and tell you because there's a one guy who wrote the article. Uh, it's called a uh, it's a law ju- l- uh, law school journal article. It's not some kind of a uh, blog. Okay, this uh-huh. is like a very formal, quite formal articles. I'm going to have to dig it out. You know, well, you know what happens? A lot of the things get passed through legislation, and we're not really made aware of it. And it happens and it passes. We it's not in the mainstream media. If, if we're not like on top of what. You know, and studying, and then we could find out years later. You know, and uh, mainstream media is uh, in the cahoots with the uh, the the ruling classes, right? They are always yeah. in the cahoots, right? You know, so so I'm not going to be uh, uh, surprised. You know, you know, you know, like I said, who who is the person who produced those uh, uh, NASA woke woke materials? You know that that I just talked about. Gotta be mainstream media people. Right. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure they're the advisor to the NASA how to produce this kind of oxymoronic wokeism material, right? You know, Uh people consider my uh, my show is a woke. It's not because I just look at here's the law, here's the facts. Right. I'm not cursing any race. You know, I'm just saying here's how it's laid out. Yes, yes. Can I add something, which I've mentioned to you before? The, there was the Smith-Munt Act passed in 1948 that was passed through Congress, and that claimed to prohibit propagandizing the U.S. population through the State Department and media. Okay, that was 1948, SMA, Smith-Munt Act. In 2012, the Smith-Munt uh, <laughs> They had a new act called the Smith Modernization Act. Modernization. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. It revoked. It revoked the 1948 act. So now, in, Obama signed this. It's in legislation where they revoked the prohibition of domestic propaganda, literally. And so now, mm-hmm. the Smith Modernization Act provides the State Department full reign, Homeland Security, CIA. To work through all forms of media they want to literally propagandize the domestic population. That uh, was 
Right, baked into then the National Defense Authorization Act of 2012-2013. And so what you have, if you consider the NDAA, what, what that provided was, you know, that basically took away your rights as a citizen. If the government felt, if they claimed that somehow you were a threat you know, a terrorist threat or suspicion of or connected to very vague wording. Do you follow me? Or somehow yep. in support of, you could be arrested and put away indefinitely without a trial. And so there goes Hague Corpus. Do you follow me? Until, yep. until they determined the threat was over, which means yep. indefinite detention. Exactly. Right? Mm -hmm. right? Then people don't realize that, that now Chris Hedges, Challenged that, right? And a group, I forget who else, there's a group of journalists and also I think Ralph Nader may have been in that lawsuit. I got to look back. So he uh -huh. sued the Obama administration, Chris Hedges, uh -huh. who I don't know, Pulitzer Prize winning, uh, 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 New York Times reporter who lost his job reporting on what was really going on in the Middle East, right? Of course. Uh -huh. And so he follows the suit. And he wins it in, in, in the District Court of New York. Okay, the judge, I forget her name, I'd have to look back, but anyway, uh, uh, upholds uh, his petition against the Obama administration so that way this NDA would not be enforced. Do you follow me? And yep. th they appeal it, the Obama administration. So in the second court of appeals, okay, they, they flip it over. Do you follow me? So Chris loses. Yep. In the second court of appeals. So he takes it, of course, him and his group to the U.S. Supreme Court. And the U.S. Supreme Court basically defers to the appellate court. It basically said Chris Hedges and his group does, do not have standing. Do you follow me? They're going to defer back to the appellate court. So here we have it. The NDAA stands today because the court system is corrupt. And it's basically for the predator elite, point blank. There's, there's not much you can do about it when you see things like this coming down the pipe. Do you follow me? It's just like, wow. And so they just systematically stripping away uh, the, our civil rights in this country. And uh, I honestly uh, have to say uh, it, it's creating a totalitarian uh, sort of uh, feudalism. Do you follow me? Like a fascism where the 63% of the small businesses got shuttered permanently during this whole COVID thing. And there's people who lost their businesses because the CARES Act, if you're behind in your taxes more than two years and you weren't a viable business, supposedly, well, try getting caught up during the pandemic. Do you follow me? Pandemic. And what happens is, boom, foreclosures. Do you see what I'm saying? There goes... Yep stripping away, siphoning up the wealth, trickle down. It's been a huge siphon up of even before the pandemic of $50 trillion been reported. Strap oh, yeah. Right? Yep. And so so one, thing, one thing I can add to what you just said is this. When Congress gave this... Uh, uh, passed this a three uh, two thirty section, the communication act that gave the Twitter and other social media company the 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 rights to moderate the content. Right? They knew they they should have known this is against the uh, First Amendment. Of course, yeah. Right? You know, 
and 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 to me is that all of a sudden nowadays the Republicans got all upset. Also, what the f when you? I'm pretty sure the Republicans supported this uh, bill to start with. Just like, you know, right? They did that. They didn't, you know, somehow they conveniently forgot about it. Right. Now they got burned by that. Now they feel that Trump got shortchanged because of this. I was like, you fucked up to start with. You know, right. I just, because you know, I'm I just, just to be balanced, I want to say the same thing as this white privilege thing, you know, this deep state thing I talk about. Like I said uh, before, the FEI interfered with the two presidential election. Whether it, 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 it's it effect, it has any impact on the outcome or not, that's not a matter. The fact right. it did is a crime, right? In other yeah. words, in 2016, Hillary Clinton should not be the nominee for Democrats. Bernie Sanders should be. Right. Based right. on the criminal investigation, it's not a matter. It's a criminal case of a, her email server, right? If the FBI said under the under be according to the words of the law, the code as written, what Hillary Clinton did is a crime. Uh huh. If they said that Hillary Clinton have to drop out, right? We yeah. likely will have a you know, uh, what is it? Uh, 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 Bernie Sanders, and he could. Uh, I think he could uh, have uh, uh, beaten Donald Trump during the general election. Okay, I'm not that you know, because uh, you know, because Clinton, uh, Hillary Clinton is a very flawed candidate. You know, it's yeah. these uh, deep state manipulation and all that. And uh, yeah. no, again, I'm not. I, I shouldn't. I would say I will put a disclaimer. Say I can either. In 2016, uh, no, in 2020, I can say for sure what the FBI did will change the, have changed the outcome of the election. But the fact yeah. that it did, and it does have an interfering effect itself, is a fucking crime, period. Yes, yes. Well, I think it's pretty obvious to looking at politics in my lifetime that my assessment is it's all political theater. The the lobbyists write the laws. The politicians do not. They don't even have time to review them. They get a four thousand page bill, to, a night or two, one night or the day before they have to vote on it. Do you follow me? So no. th these laws are not written by the politicians. They're written by the lawyers that work for the lobbyists. And there's a revolving door between K Street and Washington. And so we we have a government that's completely captured and um whether it's you know frankly it's a it's it's a duopoly that doesn't even exist in that form it's it's it's, it's a it's a uniparty in my mm -hmm. opinion yeah and it is but mostly what we see is basically media propaganda for the american people to divide us if they can divide us and we're fighting with one another and we're polarized with one another there's no chinese mexican or guatemalan that's ever taken an american's job it was given away by a greedy corporatist that bought the legislation do you follow me yep. to pass and they all that outsourcing but yet we're we're taught to demonize the demonize the Chinese or the 
non-documented immigrants, the vast majority of which are working hard without full rights of labor rights all throughout the United States. Um, you know, those uh, uh, poultry plants that were raided by ICE, the, the management doesn't get taken away by ICE. Do you follow me? The, yeah, I the, do. The, yeah, They raid mm-hmm. those poultry plants when those workers try and get together or you take the farmers and they're trying to get together and form some type of union or some type of force where they can start trying to get better working environment. Oh, yeah, really? You want to do that? Here comes ICE. And then they just fill the void again. They're not being filled by local workers. Do you follow me? Um, yeah. Well, so the immigration system is set up for what the predatory capitalism period and anyone doesn't see that hasn't experienced it firsthand like it happened in southern california on job sites witness the pipelines and and the good people who busting their butt working hard and the american corporatists who were taking away our breaks you follow me and and then not paying some of these folks uh, overtime or time and a half and double time when they worked all the hours they would qualify for. And when I stood up against that in every job site, I got laid off. Do you follow me? And yep. then when I went to call the labor board, they had no field officers. Isn't that convenient? You see what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. The whole thing's a racket. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. And um, it's, it's all to maximize profit. It's all predatory and minimize labor rights and also uh, environmental, any type of environmental regulation, anything of that nature. Um, It's just uh, destroying our environment and our ability for people to earn a living wage and and not work uh, uh, in a situation where, for example, my understanding is in the 60s, the average cost of living for housing in the United States was some 15% or so of income. My parents bought their house in 1960 for $16,000 in a suburb of Bridgeport. I remember asking my mom back in the day how much they were paying for their mortgage. It was like $80. Do you follow me? And even yep. if you, they sold that home. Uh, my father sold it in 2007, 47 years later, with an addition, but for, for not quite – 480,000, 459,000, which is almost a 3,000% increase. Do you see what I'm saying? Do mm-hmm. you do the math from 16,000 to 480,000? Well, of course, nobody's income earnings potential or actual wages went up anywhere near to match that leap of 3,000% in housing costs. And that's common all over New England. I was talking to Sabby Sabs. She goes, oh, yeah, she says, home from. My area in the Springfield, Mass, in that area, were up over 500,000. Do you follow me? Um, yep. Which back in the 60s, they were again 16 to 20 grand. So you got the consumer price index, which is based on a basket of goods, but they constantly manipulate those statistics and shift that around. What I'm trying to make is we're all in survival mode unless you happen to be, uh, you know, have a job that uh, you had grandfathered in or you're semi retired and you've got your pensions. The kids today, I mean, in America, what real opportunities when you look at uh, the cost of college, the burden of, of that, and what the wages are and what's available for them on the workforce? It's, 
it's it's all feudalism. It's all to create a, without hyperbole a serfdom. You're following a serf class, you know. Mm -hmm. yep. And all yep. you're going to do is a prison industrial complex here in the United States and realize that's where the slaves are now. We got we got four point three percent of the population right in some um, the largest penal colony in the world with near twenty five percent of the people, uh, incarcerated people in the United States uh, for the whole world. You see what I'm saying? We only got 4.3% of the population. Our incarceration right here, I, I, when I learned all this, Peter, I was shocked that our incarceration right here is 650 to 700 per 100,000, different statistics when I look it up. And China is like 150 per 100,000. So we're four times incarceration rate. Do you know what I mean? And yet, if one were to watch the TV, we're led to believe that China, you know, is, is the huge abuser of civil rights. Now, I've never been to China. I don't know what it's like there. But just if you look at the incarceration rate alone, there's such a disparity that's so, you know, so big. Mm -hmm. uh, we're one third greater incarceration rate per 100,000. They're around 400 per 100,000. And, um, 94% of the people in prison today in America never had a trial, mm -hmm. right? And then if you look at the people on parole, on probation, and the federal and state court system, we have like 10 million people caught in the system year over year. That's that's more more people involved in the criminal justice system in America that have college degrees. I mean, this is crazy. Does that reduce our... Crime rate? No, we're we're like ranked in the, I can't remember runs the world of all countries of 193 countries. We're somewhere in the 45 or 47 in in crime rate. So it doesn't make our lower the crime rate. We get best here doing it. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. so, yeah, and those people are in prison working for a mm -hmm. Kia or mm -hmm. you know or they're firefighters in California. Do you follow me? And so. Yep. It's just a form of slave labor. It's indentured slavery right through. It hasn't ended. Am I right or wrong about that? I mean, what do you think as I say all these things? I, I, think I uh, the, the, the criminal, uh, so let's talk about the, I don't want to, uh, I want to uh, refrain from using the wrong word to okay. describe something. What I'm trying to say, like I said earlier, when Bill Nelson is saying the China, uh, the Chinese uh, space program is to is going to colonize the moon, I was like, "What do you mean by saying use the word colonize?" Right. So now in your uh, uh, what you just said, are these prisoners uh, providing slave labor? I would say. I would not use the word slave to these prisoners. I'll tell you why. Okay. American slavery slavery is extremely is the, the cruelest among all slavery. If, if if others can be called slavery, the slavery is very appropriate for what happened to the blacks in America's this. It's a chattel slavery, meaning that not only you're owned by your owner, your children is going to be owned by your owner. So, oh, okay. you know what I'm saying? It's different. It's yeah. entirely different, right? The slave, like, like there's auctions each January. I did not know this until like a, a year ago. That uh, back then, to the slaves, they, they fear the most is January 1st of each year. You know why? 
because the auction is always held on December the 31st. Oh. That's where those families got split up wow. by the slave trade. It's I you know these that that's um that's where the slave mm-hmm. is used for that. If someone is working for a wealthy family as an indentured labor, indentured labor is not a slave. Uh, indentured labor could be sexually harassed or raped by the by the by the wealthy family, but still not a slave, because uh, if a, a child was uh, born out of that sexual assault by the wealthy man of that wealthy family, that child is not a indentured labor by 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 by, by default at birth. So. Go back to this, you know, you think about is this. What kind of a Christian will treat a newborn child as a slave? No Christian. Right? So don't tell me those uh, Jesus is a white and then, uh, you know, some black children born should be slave. What the kind of a fucking Christian is that? Because well, the, so this is why I will not use the same word slave to describe prison labor. Okay, let, let me let me let me just comment on that a little bit. First of all, obviously Jesus most likely growing up in Palestine and that area of the of the of the of the world most likely had fairly dark skin. Honestly, you follow exactly. me? Yeah, right. And hardly unlikely he was blue eyed and blonde hair. And uh, so the the white depiction. Uh, the, the, let's say the Western European depiction of Jesus is, serves, uh, white supremacy. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly. the doctrine of discovery, as we discussed. So that all yep. ties together. Yeah. And, um, and then you also have the Reich Concordat Treaty with the Nazi Party and Pope Alexander XII. So you have a direct tie with, uh, so that, in other words, that treaty, uh, was made, uh, with the Vatican and the Third Reich. So that way, the the churches wouldn't be bombed, and and the the Roman Catholic Church was very strong in Germany. But that way, the Pope would not uh, decree anything against what was happening. They would not make any public statement uh, decrying the Holocaust, and so that didn't happen by accident. Because there's a lot of memo that there's evidence of that Pope. Alexander considered the Jews responsible for the death of Jesus. Do you follow me? Yes. And so there's a lot of ancient prejudice and history going on here. And um, regarding... no, actually, I just want to add this because I thought about it when I was preparing mm-hmm. for today's episode. This doctrines of the discovery, because again, yeah. you know, just correct me if, if I if if I was a mis, if I'm misusing it, okay? Mm-hmm. When we explore the space, such as the moon, because back, going back to this uh, Bill Nelson uh, claiming that uh, China is about to um, uh, colonize <laughs> the moon, okay? When we send out spaceship to Mars, to to other planet and all that, right? Looking for life. Do we have a doctrine of a di- discovery? <laughs> In other words, <laughs> if we find out in this planet XYZ, uh, there's a lot of ants. You know, they, these ants are highly intelligent. 
they act and think like a, our human beings, okay? But they, they, they are shaped like ants, okay? okay? Do we have a doctrine of a discovery say we can take them as slaves and also take their belongings and take their land? I don't know about interstellar. I'll be serious. I'll be serious. Hey, hey, hey. Look, religion, this church stuff is about God and all the heavenly shit, right? Uh-huh. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I'm just, you, you are actually educated, a full-blown Catholic, you know. And I'm, I'm asking you, is, that, is there a doctrine of discovery when the NASA send out spaceship, space shuttle or to, to another planet? What if there is a life? Do we take those lives? Do we take their land? Like, 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 like moon, moon rock, right? I, I feel great today. I actually saw uh, moon rocks close and personal, right? In person, right? Like the moon rocks belongs to moonies. Say the, the, these are the inhabitants of the moon, right? What's sure. the, our doctrine of a discovery here, <laughs> William? I understand your point. I get it. Um, <laughs> you get it, right? So, so yeah. this, you know, I guess the doctrine of discovery is a, it's a white privilege. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, yeah. Isn't it? You're a fan. So, yeah. yeah. So, again, I'm not trying to make this all about race. I'm just saying it looks to me, you know, that's what I observe. You know, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. <laughs> you know so, 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 sorry, I don't mean to cut you short. Go ahead. To back to your point, I, I forgot what you're right. saying. Now, regarding regarding the prison population, you know, when a, a father is taken away from a family, the kids are growing up. Remember uh, Elvis Presley in the ghetto, the song, right? No, uh-huh. so, what? There may not be an official battle slavery as you discussed, but when that family is left without a father and an income earner, and he's in prison like that. It's very likely that the child often ends up in the criminal justice system himself just because of the life circumstances. And so the, the song in the ghetto is about that. Do you follow me? And, um, and so there may not be an official chattel, but the, the, the result of it ends up being very similar. Next thing you know, this child can end up dead, obviously, like in the song, or... And up uh, no, it, no. It, I will say, uh, William. I will still disagree. I will. I will. I'll okay. tell you why. Okay, right. I'll tell you why. I have. I have said. Uh, it's, it's only after I get involved with this calling uh, show uh, platform. I really. I, I come up with this. Uh, there is a four indelible landmarks in the U.S. It's that is the proof of white privilege. Meaning, these are the landmarks that no one can erase from the earth uh-huh. to hide it. One is called a plantation, a reservation. Reservation has yeah. a borders, right? If you're Native Americans, you need to stay in that reservation. That's That border is set by the white privilege. Because uh-huh. there's no reservation for the whites. Right. So res- there's a boundaries for that. There's second one is a plantation. Plantation has boundaries. Mm-hmm. That boundaries are for a specific group of people, right? Mm-hmm. If you're white, you are not bound by those boundaries. But if you are a slave, including your children, slave children, that boundary apply to you, right? And uh, so going back to your uh, example as this uh, 
maybe this、uh, prisoner today has children. Well, that children is not limited by any boundaries.、Okay. So that's why I will not consider a slavery because in a slavery situation, you are on that plantation. So is your children because both are properties of the owners. So what can we name the prison industrial complex and how it affects the the generationally the effects it has on、um, minority populations?、Um, those of- I. The way I look at it is this: is that because I have a long thought, this long and hard. Because for things I don't understand, I I will try to understand, uh, uh, work my way through it. Right. So I've told you about these Confederate statues. You know how I have an involving view on that. Right. So I have long known that the African Americans、uh, community they have this anti-snitch policy. They don't talk to police. Right. Even if there's a murder, they don't. I don't quite understand. It's it is until I, after I watched a lot of Vietnam War documentary, okay, and I watched a lot of uh, 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 shooting by the police of unarmed black people here in this country. I, I always ask, ask this question: How come these、uh, victims of、uh, violence by the government, meaning? The police shooting the unarmed、um, blacks. How come the end、uh, of the Viet Cong, who just you know, who 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 does their thing and get killed by the U.S. troops and all that? I said, how come they don't value lives? I mean, that's their lives. Why they do that? You know, I was I thought long and hard, and one day I understand these two groups of people share the same thing. They don't consider themselves. The citizens of that country, they consider themselves the occupied inhabitants by the occupier. The police in this country, the criminal justice system, are considered not as a lawful democratic government. It is the police are considered by many many blacks as a occupier of their community. Okay. Okay, they the black people don't even consider these police have a jury, legal jurisdiction over them. That's why they're anti-snitch. That's why, like people like a Michael Brown, probably there's a small infraction, whatever he's doing, he actually charged to a white police officer and got killed.、Mm-hmm. You ask why doesn't Michael Brown appreciate his own life? Well, it's like those Viet Cong. Why they commit those suicide uh, uh, attack against U.S. troops when the when you, their enemy is the best armed? It's because they don't feel like to live anymore. Okay. They rather make a statement. That's their statement, right? Yeah.、Mm-hmm. So that's why Ho Chi Minh knows he can spend up to ten casualties against one Americans. He will do it. Like I said, always said. You know, are you my sure? I said. There's a good reason white why white Americans hate Chinese. I understand that. You know, it's because the Chinese in the Korea War that caused thirty-seven thousand white Americans dead. Thirty-seven thousand. Okay, it's because of the Chinese that caused fifty-eight thousand mostly white Americans dead. You know, I called in earlier today to this、uh, show. You know, these are white lefties in this country called America. 
they brag about how they are brave, how brave they are during the Vietnam War protest. I was like, give me a fucking break. The only reason you come out protesting the U.S. government's Vietnam policy is because you don't want your children to be dead, and you're white. I will tell you this: if uh, Ho Chi Minh surrendered. If the Ho Chi Minh troops did not kill 58,000 American, mostly white Americans, you will never, you white leftists, will never come out and demonstrate. You don't give a fucking jack. It's only because, like Malcolm X said, the non-whites inflicted tremendous pain on the whites. Then the whites all of a sudden start thinking, oh, we don't want to do this anymore. That's what, you know, because uh, I called in today, say, in China's YouTube channel, social media channel, there's a derogatory term called the uh, white leftists. In Chinese. It's a derogatory term. Meaning uh -huh. these are people are not real at all. They are doing this only because now they are seriously injured by the non-whites. Wow. Like I said, these uh, so-called progressive authors, you know, you name it, David Haberstand, uh, Neil Sheen, who wrote a lot of Vietnam War-related books, novel, non-fiction, whatever. They are all white leftists. They actually thought, you know, Going back to JFK, remember what he said when he talks about space program? He said, we do, we're doing this not because it's easy, but because it's hard. What about Vietnam? Do we go to Vietnam because it's easy or because it's hard? I can tell you, because they thought it's going to be easy. They thought these gooks is going to run away as soon as they see American napalm bombs, as soon as they have a taste of American tanks, as soon as they have a taste of American M16s, they're going to run away. It is easy. Therefore, JFK committed to it. It's not because it's hard. It turns out it's, to be, it's hard. And then, all of a sudden, these so-called white leftists Including David Harbostan, including Neil Sheen, including uh, all those lefties, white lefties, they they all of a sudden say, "Oh, oh, oh we are against the war now." So, so that's why I always want to bring the race into this because race matters in America. Yeah, well, I. Yeah, I appreciate you educating me on that. The only thing I knew about the Vietnam War really was the Gulf of Tonkin and the Pentagon Papers, right? Would that reveal who was the uh, whistleblower there? Regarding Daniel Ellsberg. Ellsberg, right? Yes. Listen, and I, Pentagon Paper. He has an audio book on YouTube. I listened. I mean, it's it's a great uh, resources, right? I was waiting for words like a gook, chinks. I'm being serious, because we know on LBJ's uh, taped phone conversation, he, he he used racial slurs. 
Uh-huh. I am pretty sure because the, the Pentagon paper, if you listen to it, you get the, basically the Pentagon paper says times and times again, many, many experts in the internal debate is already saying the U.S. cannot win the war in Vietnam. You know? Yeah. The folks keep saying why they keep doing this shit. I'll tell you why, and it's not never written, because we're dealing with the gooks. We are dealing with the gooks, meaning that they should have run away, turn around. It's easy. Now, whoever said we're going, not going to win a war against the gooks, that person will show a weak character. That's not white enough. Mm. You, know, you know what I'm saying? That's why you know, I actually believe behind the door, behind the closed door, during those discussions, racial slurs must have been used. Just oh, like yeah. a General Doug MacArthur has openly said, those are Chinese laundromat on the Korean battlefields. We oh. can easily beat them up, right? That's, that's, what, that's what he said. Oh. So the same words, gooks, Chinamen, uh, king, uh, chinks, must have used in those Pentagon paper discussions. The only thing is this. These so-called white leftists, they still want to whitewash the history. They don't want to write those true stories. Let, let me ask you something along those lines. Uh, okay. people, actually, people, they, just remember, those are people who wrote about Vietnam War, no matter how progressive they are, they always say this, this is a blunder by the U.S. government, a poor strategic decision. No, it's not. It's a fucking racial war to start with. You just lost, period. We're, Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. What, Go ahead. Okay, the way I see American imperialism is always about initially uh, the doctrine of discovery going places to take slaves in a sense to for resources you know uh, uh, what did vietnam have in the way of natural resources that because i'm trying to understand everything what for example we know central america had coffee fruit growers right that, that was real big. Yep. Hawaii, sugarcane, you follow me? Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? And pineapple and certain fruits that we don't, we don't grow here well in America. What was it that, why did we go to Vietnam? What, do you think it was just a race issue? Or was there also a resource? That we uh, uh, there's so many, uh, there's still continual unknown. I just learn things uh, like on a, if not daily basis, it's on a monthly basis mm-hmm. on new facts. Okay, right? So Vietnam is this. In this, uh, in my past show, I already said, I have learned recently there's a thing called the Berlin Conference that happened in 1885 or something around that line. Just mm. after the, you know, you know, the U.S. is going uh, into the period called the Nader period, where the racial uh, oppression is reached to, to the peak, basically. It's after the Civil War, okay? That, that, around the time, the Berlin Conference is the European power dividing up uh, East Africa. Like I said before, the border of the Africa con- African countries is actually not drawn by the African countries. It's drawn by the Europeans. You follow me so far? 
Yeah. So when the colonial powers such as France, Spain, U.S., Britain, when they divvy up these, uh, you know, savage world, right? They actually, you know, have a plan. It's a conspiracy. It's actually yeah. a crime against uh, humanity, right? Mm-hmm. So the France, that's the French French cut. You know, that's a cut for French, basically. You know, Hong Kong is pretty close to Vietnam, as you know. In I case see. you don't know, I'll let you know, right? Hong Kong, it will be like uh, in Miami. Uh, Vietnam will be like in Key West. Let, let me put it that way. Okay. Wow, close, yeah. That, that's close, right? So Hong Kong is the Britons, the British. Mm-hmm. So, so Indochina, meaning Cambodia, Laos, and Vietnam, belongs to French. Yes. Uh, resource-wise, rubber for one. Okay. Rubber, rubber is one, and uh, and the rubber is a big deal because you want you know the car industry is already you know pretty uppity there, right? You know. Yeah. You're going to have a big boom in the 50s where, for car industry. But the, oh. the, back then, rubber is already, you know, well known to be uh, a war material, for lack of a better expression, right? For, for, for cars and all that. So, oh, so okay. no. So, to me, is this is that. Uh, so, going back, is this the same thing by this author who wrote China Clouds. In 1968, he said, it's the U.S. Oh, back then, this author used the word blunder. Biggest blunder, B-L-U-N-D-E-R, for the U.S. government to hand back 80 Chinese scientists to the, back to China, Red China. Okay? He said that, that caused the, the, the fast, rapid development of the nuclear bomb by the Chinese. Okay? When China has a nuclear bomb in 1968, the U.S. know for sure they will not be able to win in Vietnam. Because, uh, you know, at that time, the, the only silver bullet for the U.S. military is to use the nuclear bomb in Vietnam. And it is in discussion, as you know. But as soon as China showed that it has nuclear bomb also, then, you know, the, the U.S. side knows. Because they have learned from the Korean War is that Douglas MacArthur crossed the uh, 38 parallel that in, get Chinese involved. If 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 U.S. escalate the Vietnam War, China will step in, meaning sending troops and also bring nuclear bombs. And consider Soviet Union also have nuclear bomb and the missiles. It's not something the U.S. wants to get involved anymore. So so that's you know just like you know so so that's going back to what I said earlier is that this author, a white author in America in 1968, he said it's a blunder by the U.S. government to send 80 Chinese scientists back to China. Fast forward to 2014, the nephew of this author is saying the U.S. government is doing the exact same. In 1940, uh, 2014, during Obama administration. Mm. That just means, no, this is not a blunder. This is a fucking racial uh, oppression, mm. period. Right. So that is why, you know, I don't give a fuck, you know, because I know the African-Americans is saying, no, you, the whites for the longest time are the occupier of America. Both the the natives, the blacks, they are just, you know, colonized people. Right. Right. The law doesn't apply to 
that the equal treat the constitution uh, law rights doesn't apply to them, you know. Right. So 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 that is is why I kind of want to you know again I'm not trying to be putting the race in, in all this. It's just historically that's what happened. Absolutely, I think the only you know, way to change it is to acknowledge it, embrace it, and my opinion is. Uh, you know, some type of reformation. Uh, this needs to be made right on all levels: uh, history, um, uh, financially. The, the 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 Western European bankers and and the uh, robber barons, I call them, the big families from the Rothschild, Rockefellers, uh, Oppenheimers. Uh, I don't know all of them. You know what I mean? The Astors, uh, the British royals. They. It's amazing to me that they're allowed to concentrate their wealth and still have it. Um, it's just a total abuse of power rather than, and where's the sense of conscience? Like what, I, I, they, they generally, generationally, they grow up in these families and they're deluded, I think, and detached from, from reality where they live this affluent life while people are starving to death. There's famine. There's, I mean, it's just, it's, unfathomable that they'll not even have a sense of human uh compassion you know what i mean and yeah i know what you're saying yeah, yeah i know what you're saying i yeah. Yeah. i i still have hope uh because uh you know the, 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 the reason i'm doing this really is because i've said this thing called the white judicial white privilege is not working for the white people either these days like I always said, Trump is being treated like a black person sometimes, which is good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because, like I said, the the the, the tricks they played by the, the the tricks played by the deep state against Trump is a classical white privilege tactics. You know, and uh, and uh, and uh, and uh, I like it because that just exposed the whole mode of operation. Of how they do it, and, oh. and 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 I have noticed on the street these days, there's a whole lot more white homeless people, white beggars on the street, you know, near the traffic lights and all that, begging for money and all that. I I feel the, their pain too. The government does not this this in this country the government no longer works for the people, and oh. uh, you know. We are lucky that we do have the rights to either abolish or alter this government. You know, I, you know, I want to advocate that we have to alter this government. You know, I, my approach is that you have to have a third party in this country, period. I don't care how good or bad or ugly. It has to have your third party, a united third party front. And, uh, and that's what I will be. You know, it, it doesn't matter whether the leader is black or white or whatever color. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah, I think we need multiple parties and ranked choice voting, and the whole system needs to be yep. torn down and, yep. and, and, yep. and again. But yeah, I, I think all the judges should be rotated out. Absolutely, right? Yeah. I mean, all they're also called the officer of the court, right? Well, you 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 know the the system very very well. You know, extremely well, in fact. So you know, the all these lawyers and judges, they are equal. They should be equal. But what what's the reason why one is a judge and another is not? Rotate them, you know? 
rotate the fuck out of them, you know. Yes, no yes. one should be be entitled to sit on that bench to to do forever. You know what I'm saying? Just rotate them out, and then afterwards have an evaluation of each of their cases, right? And then for those uh, who perform consistently well, then we'll give them consume a longer tenure, like a college professors, right? You know. You know? you know, Peter, that would be ideal, but I have to say, I, I, my experience is that the governors here in Connecticut appoint the judges every eight years. They come up for a vote in the legislature for reinstatement. And what I, my experience, we've heard a lot about, but the thumbnail version is that a lot of these are former U.S. attorneys. Do you follow me? Just so mm-hmm. federal attorneys. Sometimes judges, they become state judges, like Judge Stevens is a perfect example. Judge Emas, a former U, assistant U.S. attorney um, in the Milford Courthouse. Judge Ainati was a former U.S. attorney. Robert Devlin, the inspector general for the whole United States, works in the state's attorney's office now, former federal judge. In other words, that mm, they are there. To do what? To reinforce the laws for the predatory elite. And they are not budging. And you could change the, the judge. Do you follow me? You can get a yeah. judge um, retired, like Judge Emans, right? The first judge not reinstated in 260 years in Connecticut. I got her to recuse herself. She, one judge, who, when I hit her with a motion to recuse, a 74-page motion, she looked at me and she says, well, I can't set my own recusal hearing, now can I? You, I can tell you, Judge Stevens, I tried to get him to recuse himself because of his abuse of judicial discretion. He just said, next, Mr. Bonatani, next, you know. In other words, they, she was, I had judges on probate who pursuant motions to recuse, recuse themselves. But in the Milford Courthouse, where the DOJ ex-U.S. attorney judges were, right? Emans was the only one to recuse herself. Why? She was up for reinstatement and she was being scrutinized by Minnie Gonzalez and the House Judiciary Committee. And uh, there was so many complaints against her. But the point I'm trying to make is, so she was allowed to retire. They never voted on in the legislature like a, like a yay nay on her reinstatement. She just was allowed to retire. They never took the vote. You see? And then she, so she kept a pension that way. She ends up with a law firm, Cohen and Wolf and the American Bar Association then wants to reinstate her. Right. And she's teaching ethics, ethics. This woman was so corrupt. But what I'm trying to say is she was just a puppet. For the, for the corrupt transnational, like they all are. Do you follow me? With, and yeah. so we, we can yeah, change so, their faces. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. You, you're fine. So basically what I want to say, because I want to try to answer your question is that how do we change this? I mean, I do see difficulties, you know, because I believe it's a, among the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, uh, I would say if a, if a, uh, a critical mass of people have reached even those whose life is threatened to a critical mass, then there will be some upheaval. There will be some changes. There will be some revolution. Like I said earlier, the Vietnam War era is a revolutionary period for the reason is that the, even the white lefties is recognizing that Many whites are dying in Vietnam. Nobody wants to go to Vietnam. 
right? They literally will go to Sweden, go to Canada. So there is a major threat to their lives. Then there will be revolution. You know, you literally have a, a group of white people uh, broke into at the FBI's office, field office in media, Pennsylvania. So they, they went that far, you know? You know, I mean, they can say whatever uh, virtuous uh, motivation they had and all that. But my bottom line is this. If not enough white people got killed in the battlefield of Vietnam, there will be no civil rights bill. Okay? There will be no, you know, there will be no protest. You know what I'm saying? Everybody, you know, will sing Kumbaya here. Who the fuck gave a shit about black people cannot vote and all that? Who the fuck care about the uh, little black children who got killed by church bombing by whites? Right, right, right. They, they don't. The problem is that the whites are losing lives in tens of thousands. That triggers a revolution. So life, liberty, now it comes to uh, liberty. Unless a lot of people believe their liberty is severely limited, or will lose that, then you're going to have a revolution. Okay, let me tell you what I see going on right now here, at least in Connecticut. Like uh-huh. I... I'm on EBT, meaning food stamps, right? Because I don't get enough from SSDI. That mm-hmm. program is very broken where USA Today reports 10,000 people a year die just trying to get their SSDI. It's so protracted. It could take you several years uh-huh. just to get to a hearing. Okay. Uh-huh. So if we have that going on. On the flip side, what they appear to be doing, I was talking to a girl who's in calling Danny, and she's got Section 8 housing, you know, not in, in New York, just on the road. And she got a couple kids. And what she's, what we're seeing is they're upping the EBT allotment per month. So you get more money for food stamps now, okay? And then I said to her, and I asked another person I knew who was kind of in the system, my counselor who's with LifeBridge, I said, uh, I said, let me ask you, I, I said, um, Jess, are you seeing people being evicted? In other words, you know, are they getting served? What's going on? She goes, no, not really. And so what I think is happening here is they're trying to pacify the masses. They're, they're by, by not moving forward with evictions and by providing more EBT. Uh-huh. Yes, these people, it's not a livable long-term uh let's say we, you, you can't advance your life and, and have a better job, you know, because you're limited to Walmart at less than whatever hours a week, so you can't actually get benefits. And then those people are taught how to sign up for EBT. Do you follow me? This is, yes. this is We probably subsidize Walmart to get richer and richer and richer through, you know, the food stamp programs or whatever other, because they don't want to pay a full, I mean, it's all a corrupt system, but the point I'm trying to make is that but so the 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 like the lower income pacified to where they're yes, not. Yes, I know. You say yes, I know. I think uh, that Howard Zinn uh, spoke. I said is uh, the, the 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 way it works is that it will give you enough breadcrumbs to keep right. you you know not uprising. You know, basically. Yeah, there you go. And so um, yeah. yes, there's more and more people homeless, and there's not enough infrastructure. They're not building 
the, the infrastructure to home people, to house yep. people, yep. you know? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know where this is going. I mean, it, it's, uh, I mean, uh, the, the, the jobs are not coming back to the United States of America. That's, that's already done with the, the, the trade agreements and the, the whole movement of, of that, uh, manufacturing to India, China, et cetera. Where do you think this is going, Peter, for the United States of America? You've been here for how many years? You went to Villanova. What do you see happening in the next several decades from your opinion? Do you follow me? What do you yes, think? I do. I, uh, because uh, as you know, I, I, I always said this, I consider myself Americans, and yes. I want America to be a harmonic and a prosperous society, right? I, I also is a strong believer in American, every American's tenacity to make this, uh, to, to, to make our society, our government work and all that. So, so first I want to talk about trade. If we believe free trade, if we by we, we the people, not the government, we the people, not the big corporations, if we believe the free trade is no longer sustainable for our prosperity, for our benefit, all that, we are allowed to tell our trade partners is that we're going to gradually evolve into a more protected trading relationship with all of you. We will not do, however, I'm not going to be, uh, we should not do, we should not be acting like a jerk because I do believe Donald Trump is a jerk and I do believe uh, Joe Biden is a jerk. The U.S. government is a jerk. Jerk means they're jerkish, meaning that, you know, just like a George W. Bush, you know, (laughs) Like, 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 uh, uh, Iraq has a WMD. Let's go attack them. <laughs> Just like, those like knee jerk reaction shit. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I, I, I would like to tell the trading partner, say, we're going to gradually involve, uh, US, unfortunately, is going to close its door a little bit. We're going to do our trade in a more protected one on one kind of a, you know, arrangement. We no longer believe this global trade. Now, is there a risk associated with it? Yes. I'm, I'm going to go there later. I know, you know, this is, is a we the people will propose that, see how it will work or not. There will be economists to be consulted with and all that. So there is a way to revert back away from free trade policy to a more of a protected trade policy. As long as we are being transparent, play it fairly, I believe our trading partners including China, India, any other countries, will be willing to accept. This is the first thing. By doing that, we can better protect the domestic jobs. They know that. You know, there's no doubt about that. At the same time, I also believe the deep state must be, must be gone. We have to set up a clear national defense priority. Number, priority number one is this. We're going to ask the first question is this. Is America able to protect its homeland? Do we have sufficient arms, missiles, satellites, ships to protect our homeland, our continent, 
I, for that, I want to do the sufficient resources to do that. I don't think it's $800 billion. I think it's probably $200 billion. Yeah, that's all China's. Uh, that's what China spends, about $200 billion. Oh, I, I don't even know what China spent. So what I'm going to say is that that's, I think, all we need. Because if we still have the Second Amendment, if we still can carry arms, I don't think any country is going to invade us. That's mm-hmm. my bottom line, right? Mm-hmm. Right? You know, I don't need, you know, you know, and also I'm going to tell the world is that we, America, is going to treat you like you are, you are entitled to the same rights and privilege we enjoy. In other words, we are not going to have our army standing in your country. Okay, we're going to pull back all our troops with only few exceptions. So by doing so, we establish goodwill with other countries. We say, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't need to have our troops in your country. And, uh, and, 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 you know, and, and that will cut down the deep state. And a third is that my biggest passion is in the judiciary. Like I said, the courts must be fundamentally reformed. There's no lifetime, lifetime appointment, period. I mean, I know the state judges are not lifetime appointment. Like in Delaware, you have to be reappointed every few years by the governor, by the governor and all that. Well, I, I want to do the same thing with the federal government. The key is this. I don't want to see the same judge who, who I have an equally qualified lawyer. Judges are lawyers, as you know, right? Right, right. right. But this, what the fuck is the reason this guy is more perfect than the other lawyers to, to, to be a judge? I want to rotate, okay? Yeah. Joe, Joe Smith, the Mary Jane, you know, we'll flip a coin. Today, you'll be the judge. Today, the other day, you'll be the judge. You all look at the same fucking paper, right? You'll make a decision. I will give you a warning. You know, this is, you know, we're going to evaluate your judicial performance by a group of citizens and also by a group of lawyers. You know, we're talking about, you know, you cons- we have a consumer reviews of cars, carpet cleaners, right? We will have a people's review, citizens review mm-hmm. of a judicial performance, in addition to lawyers' review of a judicial performance. If you're not good, you're not good. You're out. Okay. Well, you know, so, 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 so that in a nutshell is what I would do. You know. And uh, because uh, I think America can be saved, America can be back to to its uh, you know more where I say uh, America can be rejuvenated, uh, 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 you know, re-energized, revitalized, and uh, and and we can do that uh, while facing the growth of uh, other countries such as China, India, and other BRICS countries. You know, I think we, you know, we can, we can handle it. But uh, right now, I believe that we need to have a third party. You know, we need to have a third party to make, make these happen. You know, any one of these, if happened, I think it will be beneficial. But uh, without a third party, the two-party system is going to, you know, keep the ship sinking. You know, because they know they have the, they all have their lifeboats ready. Yeah, well, they, they're just, again, 
uh, up is for the transnational corporations and um, they know no borders. Those transnational corporations, uh, it's no sweat off their, them to, uh, in fact, if it's profitable, they're all their uh, plans are long term. So if it's profitable to close a factory in the United States and outsource to China, India, Mexico, wherever it's or even to drain the manufacturing base out of Europe and, and concentrate it in the Asian countries. That's their agenda. And the, the, it's maximizing profit. So, yeah, uh, uh, you, so you, you, I'm glad you mentioned that. I actually, I worried about Europe these days. I, I, I'll be honest with you. A lot of people saying, oh, Germany is going to move their uh, uh, industries into U.S. and into China. Because I do know from the Chinese side, I have heard reports that German, the, uh, many German, uh, Germany, uh, big Germany businesses, German business are, uh, have a huge expansion plan uh, in, in China. And uh, I worry about it. The reason I worry about it is that I think the Ukrainian, Ukraine war literally screwed the Europe in its entirety. And when Europe goes down, the rest of the world will feel the huge impact, which in the long term is just a downer for every economy, period. So, so, but I do not have the solution because I truly think things can only, uh, the dust can only settle after the Ukrainian, uh, Ukrainian war ends. And I already have said back in March of last year, few soon after the Ukraine war started, that the war is going to take at least three years. At least three years. Can we get time to talk a little bit about that? You got to go. Uh, I think we we talk long enough. We can always, uh, you know, you know, talk about that uh, on a, on a, on, a, on another day. Yes, it's, 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 yeah. I try not to. I'm trying not to talk about the international affairs. <laughs> you know why, I guess. And, uh, you know, because I want to stick with, you know, what are the cases in this country? Like, I, I want to talk about that uh, 9-11 lawyers uh, commission thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, so we will talk about that. So, all right. Uh, thank you, William, to be on today's calling. And uh, I, I appreciate it. I always appreciate talking to you, you know, so. Thank you. Okay. Have a good evening. Oh, good night. Okay. Bye-bye.